Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Wednesday, the 23rd of November. First up, Elon Musk reveals secret closet at Twitter and internet erupts. He also drops some truth. Wow, it's been a wild day already. I think I had four or five videos on, on like in my noodle for today, and Elon just is going off on Twitter right now. I'll summarize everything later today, but uh, the for the first topic today, perhaps the most hilarious uh, one that basically got the internet losing its mind is a simple Twitter video of Elon discovering a closet full of hashtag stay woke t-shirts uh, at Twitter at Twitter HQ. It's funny, like he bought the place and they're like, and he's like going through all the closets. He's like going through all the doors and opening all the drawers and seeing everything. And, and he's sharing with the public and people are having an absolute meltdown over it. And then his second tweet following that tweet got a little too spicy for the pepper. So he had to delete it, but I've got it of course, because the internet is forever. So let's start with, Found in closet at Twitter HQ, Elon Musk reveals stash of stay woke t-shirts as activists pressure advertisers to boycott the company for reinstating Trump's account. Elon is going essentially directly to war with these people. Elon Musk posted a video about a secret closet at Twitter HQ full of stay woke t-shirts as civil rights activists put pressure on advertisers to boycott the social media company after reinstating the controversial or several controversial accounts. Now, there's an inconvenient truth in, in all of this for the left. And I think it's, it's pretty hilarious. So a lot of the narrative from kind of the mainstream woke left or even just the establishment left has been like, uh, well, why are all the accounts that are getting restored uh, only, only right wing? provocateurs, right? Why are they only right-wing provocateurs, right? You see stuff like this. Elon Musk is reinstating banned Twitter accounts. Here's who's back. It's almost exclusively right-wing figures. Like, do you get that this is a hilarious self-own? Like, this isn't quite the own that you thought it would be. What this is is a reverse admission that right-wingers were the ones that were politically persecuted on the platform. Something that, you know, every mainstream media outlet was, was pushing out experts who would say, oh yeah, it's not the right-wing that's the person. It's actually the left-wing. And people believe that. We're all the prominent left-wing accounts that got suspended. There are none. Now you might say Ethan Klein is like literally the only one and he got it after Elon bought. So it wasn't even like, he was suspended, uh, you know, long. So doesn't the courting have some kind of direct line, Elon, take care of your little problem here, Dick? You see here, Dinesh Dizu, we talked about this yesterday. We don't hear much about Democrats and leftists being let back on Twitter. Why? Because they were never kicked off in the first place. Their lies and misinformation simply escaped all scrutiny. Censorship has been deployed as a one-way operation against conservatives, Elon Musk says. Correct. I mean, this, this is what I, this is what I, for years, this is like, as somebody who's been in the trenches reporting on this for almost 10 years now, it feels so vindicating to see somebody with access to the data admit it. Like we knew, right? Of course we knew uh, that it wasn't just, and again, when I say right wing, I mean people perceived as right wing. I don't consider myself right wing. Um, I don't have any allegiance to the Republican party. 
Uh, but I am perceived as right wing because if you're free speech, if you're pro, if you're pro free speech, you're pro body uh, bodily autonomy. Um, you know, not let's say forcing, um, you know, having mandates about certain things. You're suddenly some sort of right winger. I don't think that I'm right wing at all. I'm pretty centrist, to be honest. I'm pretty I'm pretty mild. Um, but like, if you're if you're perceived as right wing, you live by a different set of rules on Twitter, and we knew it. Now. The 12 second video posted by Muscle Lake Tuesday night shows the billionaire businessman making fun of the gray t-shirts, which have the woke slogan plastered here on front. Here we are at the merch. There is an entire closet, Musk begins to say, before someone off camera adds secret closet before he proceeds, full of hashtag woke t-shirts. He finishes saying as a person, <laughs> he first saying as a person off camera laughs. Musk has been the center at the center of controversy since purchasing Twitter for $44 billion and assuming leadership last month. Twitter has seen slurs increase since Musk took the helm and the ban was lifted on former President Donald Trump, by the way, who continues to not use the platform. So I'm not exactly sure that you can like blame this on Trump, right? By the way, if you haven't followed me on Twitter already, I would love it if you did. I feel like fair and balanced opinions are coming back on Twitter. And the more people we get to get involved in that conversation, the better um, to fight back. You know, the election season is coming up and we'll need everybody to fight against a lot of the narratives that we're going to see. Um, but Musk maintains that user numbers remain at an all time high, tweeting on Monday that the site had added 1.6 million daily active users in the last week. Despite the optimistic numbers, alternative platforms have reported more signups since the takeover. Hive Social saw reported more than 1 million signups in the last 30 days and sits atop of Apple's store for social networks apps chart. I'm sure that's on purpose, by the way. I'm sure that's not totally, you know, how the how the app store, uh, head of the app store, Apple app store, left Twitter. I'm sure he totally didn't manipulate that. Hive Social back in 2019 and said to be the closest replica of Twitter with his chronological feed profiles and lead posts while pulling inspiration from Instagram and emphasizing visuals. Look, I have a high social account. I'm I'm at quartering, not the quartering, quartering. If like I don't think that Hive Social again is like an exclusively left-wing platform either. People flocking there think it is, but it's not. Hive Social is just an alternative to Twitter. Um like what about all these lefties? Let's send them the posts, see how that goes for them. Or they could go to Gab. See, we live through this. Pro free speech people we lived through this back in 2020 when Trump got banned from Twitter. Everyone left to go to Parler. The only reason Parler didn't immediately become a competitor to Twitter is because Amazon, Google, and Apple prevented it, in my opinion. I say this, I said this, I've said this a million times, but just to give you a perspective, I had more followers on Parler in one day than I still have on Twitter. That's what actually not being shadow banned looks like. And one day I had like 230,000 followers or something. And like, I still, I'm nowhere near that on Twitter. And like, I probably never will be. Well, maybe now that my tweets are being seen. Um, so I know what, I know what the left, you know, they're consuming their copium just like we did, right? We went to uh, Parler, think it was gonna be awesome. Then we went to Getter. Then we went to, you know, whatever the next thing was, Truth Social. Sure, Truth Social has millions of four, five, six million users. Um, Gab 
remains a still my stalwart alternative tech uh, platform. But I've seen how this plays out. People generally come back. There's a reason like the left was promoting Mastodon saying, oh yeah, Mastodon's the next Twitter. Ha! Boomers can't figure out Mastodon. I can barely figure it out. So no, there is Twitter still will, will remain the number one spot. And as long as Elon continues to uh, add features, it's going to grow. And by the way, he's probably got, I'm guessing, so he's doing a poll today about like just basically restoring every account. He, he has probably 20 million daily active users sitting in banned accounts. You know what I'm saying? So like every time, uh, let's say Nero, when he got banned, I don't know how many followers he has, probably close to a million, maybe more. Um, Gavin, all these people, they go to an alt tech platform, right? And then a certain percentage of their viewers will go with them. Now, not everyone, right? Not everyone goes to whatever, Gab or Parler or whatever. But 5, 10, 20, 30, 40% maybe would decide to leave the platform. We saw this happen with Patreon. When Patreon banned Sargon of Akkad, everybody lost money because people left the platform. So by bringing back all these accounts that had million, Carpe Donctum probably would have had freaking five, six, seven, eight million followers by now, right? Large chunks of their followership left the platform. So when you restore them, those chunks will come back and they will engage and they will make money for advertisers and they will create impressions and interactions and all this kind of stuff. So he goes, found in closet at Twitter HQ. Here's the video. We are uh, at, the, at the merch thing and there's an entire, entire closet full of, Secret closet. of hashtag woke t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't really understand, you know, uh, you know, yes, I know why they have. So you see, you know, this guy's really mad saying, you know, Elon said that he's about context on his tweet. So here's the context for his shirt. They came from Twitter's black employees resource group who, and were popularized by Jack Dorsey, who wore a version around to conferences to support the group and was sometimes ridiculed for it. I mean, yeah, Jack was part of the problem. He fed into a lot of the lies about like Ferguson, right? And then you see this hashtag stay work woke shirts stem from the uh, Ferguson protests. Obama's own Department of Justice proved this and exonerated the cop. The hands up, don't fire. It was made up. The whole thing was fiction. He ended up deleting that. Like <laughs> you got to walk before you can run there, Elon. But he did leave the tweet up. Like he left the link to the DOJ. He took off the... He took off the uh, editorialization, but he did put this, which is a smarter play. Like, th that's the thing. Like, Elon is, uh, why'd you delete this tweet? Like, everyone's like, why'd you delete it? Oh, is that an own? Did you want him to put it back up? This is a wild time to be on Twitter. By the way, if you're enjoying my videos, I, I really, really hope you'll consider subscribing. I'm having an absolute blast. We've got so much fun Christmas stuff planned. We're going to open up advent calendars on the videos next month. Um, obviously, the coffee stuff is going crazy. I, I greatly, greatly appreciate all your support. And next up today, Tim Pool doxed and life threatened over a single tweet. Timcast IRL versus the Young Turks. Little Timmy Pool, Tim, little Tim fence sitter, Tim Pool, as everyone will say, uh, has really angered uh, Twitter. And it's been a while since there's been a 
uh, concerted cancel culture or cancellation of him. And this one is pretty wild because simply because the amount of outrage and anger and over the line, you know, threats on his life and things of that over a single tweet, a tweet that is pretty easy to understand, but a tweet that is being purposely misrepresented by the left. I know, I know you're shocked. All right. Now this is the tweet that launched a thousand rears, rees, uh, and you know, just hate people saying heinous things. Uh, uh, that guy, everyone calls chunk yogurt or whatever. Remember the young Turks? Remember when they were like relevant? Remember when, when they were an actual political adversary and now they've been reduced to an aging old man screaming at clouds and an aging woman uh, screaming at lower clouds? There's really not a lot going on with the Young Turks. And I think that, you know, they're relentless kind of attacks on Tim Pool and, of course, expertly ignored by him. See, Tim is a better man than I am in terms of that. Um, you know, I'd get down in the mud with them, with the, you know, with the Buffalo. But that said, I'm glad he does ignore it because it leaves a little spot for little old me to respond. Uh, you know, Tim and I don't agree on everything, but I do think that this tweet was masterfully put um, and, uh, you know, a perfect um, honeypot for outrage. Essentially, Tim's getting really good at that. We shouldn't tolerate P words uh, doing the G to kids. The club had an event, which was, I believe, um, one of those infamous drag shows uh, for the youth. Um, how do we prevent people going over the top and stop the, uh, the G word, we'll say? A fair question, right? Um, obviously, the insinuation. Now we know more about this incident um, and there's a lot of inconvenient truths <clears throat> about the person, the idiot, the loser, the criminal that did this, you know, make no mistake about it. There are, um, you know, there are things about this event that are like, Hey, oh, that's inconvenient for the media. They identify as they, them, and they're, you know, and they use MX pronouns or whatever that just came out last night, which is, you know, you're kind of like, Hey, <laughs> But then also you're like, dude, people died and like, that's, you know, and that sucks. And I hate, you know, hate, you know, uh, hating anybody for who they are or, you know, things that, you know, it's just not okay. And I've never accepted that on this channel. I understand people make jokes and even I will too. And I think that that's okay. Just as long as people kind of remember like, Hey, you know, like at the end of the day, people lost their lives because this loop, because of this loser. Yes. It's funny that it's an inconvenient you know, it's like one of those, oh, wait for the story to disappear. Oh, the defendant's using they, them pronouns. Watch CNN meltdown. I have a whole video on it later. It's pretty funny. Like, they don't, they don't know what to do. Like, they literally short circuit on air. And I think perhaps that's why people are so sensitive about this. Kurt Schlichter writing, I don't think we have to tolerate P words because some a-hole did something insane. Frankly, a lot of people are trying to convince us that we need to tolerate them seem to be happy to excuse and silence our opposition. Uh, also, a pretty spicy tweet. I'm not, you know, Kurt Schlichter, that's a, oh, ex-armed car wash. Okay, all right, okay, pretty, pretty spicy tweet. And then, so essentially, Tim is saying, hey, I consider these type of events, you know, the dancing men uh, when targeting kids to be, uh, you know, over the line. And I agree with Tim on that. 
it's worded like in a way that people are basically saying, well, Tim, well, Tim supports this. You see, uh, if you look at some of these tweets, like here's this person that got 10,000, like Tim pool bravely coming out in support of the person who ended five people's lives. Again, that's not what he said. It's not even close to what he said. He was literally asking the question like, Hey, these events are going to keep happening. And, uh, I wonder, you know, how can we stop, uh, both? You know, I think maybe that was purposely like, you know, worded in that way. But, you know, also, by the way, remember the brick thrower? Remember the brick thrower in New York that everyone's like, oh, here we go again. Well, it turns out the brick thrower was also a member of the LGBTQ community. So, I mean, they, the, in both scenarios, as far as we know, the the bad actor it was not a hate crime. It was not a, a, a because of they because of them being gay or whatever the case. And we'll find out more about, you know, the Colorado lunatic. But. Uh, again, like 10,000 people, and then like, they'll go, but he's just asking how to stop the bad behavior. No, he isn't. He's literally spreading lies that justify it. Um, no. And like, I'm so tired of seeing people in my community get harassed. And by the way, the guy that did it was a member of your community, at least from what his lawyer has said. Uh, and, you know, you see Tim, uh, you know, Tim Pool is a Terry full stop. Um, you see Emerson, Emerson T. Booking uh, writing, this is the clearest celebration of American mass uh, passing on the platform since Charlottesville. What's worse, Poole's intimates and uh, in, intimates that more bad behavior is coming if his anti-LGBTQ agenda is not met. I don't really see that in the tweet. I guess this one, it seems around 10 uh, they posted around having some sort of all ages show the next day. About two or two hours later, the person showed up. Um, people keep calling for wood chippers, and this is what happens. Um, I would say that that is an incorrect tweet by Tim. Um, we don't know what motivated that person, but he's also not calling for it. You know, he's not saying go do this stuff. He's saying, hey, people have their breaking points, and. You know, unless we meet in the middle, unless we can agree on very specific facts, like, hey, maybe, uh, you know, we shouldn't be doing this stuff for all ages, or maybe we should have some levels of decorum. Instead, it's all or nothing on both sides. Then so you're going to keep getting these people. When you only deal in, like, the extremes, uh, that's who gets a part in the conversation. I mean, then you see like uh, Senk go off on like this absolute unhinged rant that I literally can't even play. But he 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 specifically and without question calls Tim the p word. That he wears a beanie on his head to cover up uh, all his thoughts about kids. I mean, that is a libelous statement for sure. Like, uh, and and I don't really understand. And you see, Tim Pool leftists are sending me starts on my life and doxing me because I'm smarter and more handsome than them. This needs to stop. Like Tim is not really concerned with this. They're just playing directly into his, uh, his trap. However, the issue is that like when you have, uh, you know, Chenk Uger going off, you saw it in the open, the intro of this video going off on this and you see like even the responses, like what is this problem? And does he know he has one? I don't want to insult Alex Jones, but this rant is a little, you know, 
LOL, what a lunatic. I think he's tilted because the horse rejected his advances. Um, you know, I, I think like, you know, sent got to, yeah, got a Dame Pesos got sent to trend on Twitter because of this. How is this different than an AJ rant? He, you know, I mean, like, I, I just, I, I don't understand. I think that you don't do, you know, any, uh, any favors by, you know, taking away, uh, you know, their agency or by, by overusing that word, but that's what Chenk, the young Turks have done, uh, directly calling Tim the P word, um, because he wears a beanie, apparently absolutely disgusting. Uh, they fell for Tim's trap yet again, and they really showed their rear. If you want, you just look at the, at the Tim pool trend. It's full of people just saying vile things, uh, wishing terrible things. Someone posted Tim's address. I must retweet it to show everyone that that is an okay. Like people supporting doxing him just because of a tweet. You know, Tim and I, if you didn't know, we had similar people swatting us basically daily for months. Okay? Daily for months. We could have been killed for our opinions online. Uh, you know, my dogs, you know, I worry about them. Like all this stuff. And like, because this is because of how people, you know, sync is right. It's fascist like, and reactionaries like Tim and, and the Republicans who are the P-words. Yeah, you don't sound reactionary at all. I, I don't really understand. Uh, <laughs> you see, yeah, I don't really understand uh, why Tim lets these people lie on him like that. Like, I would definitely be hitting uh, Senk with a libelous lawsuit because you just can't be going around calling people that. But that's the left for you. And next up, Elon Musk reveals he is using Twitter to hunt monsters, and it's his number one priority. This is a kind of a, a spicier topic. It's one that uh, YouTube is going to like, but uh, I think it's an important one to discuss with all of the criticisms that um, new Twitter is facing. It's also bringing to light a really inconvenient truth. Now, I'm going to be dip-dodging and, and, and dupally-doing around a lot of words in here, but just understand... Twitter long has ignored the publishing of, um, I don't know, the worst kind of material you can imagine. We'll put it that way. Um, that involves young ones. And there's even like court cases and studies that prove that. I will read those. And then um, Elon Musk said yesterday or the other day that he was going to make it basically issue number one. He's already made some changes, including... Uh, removing hashtags where this type of material was found. And it really does make you wonder. It really does make you wonder. Why didn't old Twitter do this for 10 years? This kind of stuff was getting published on their platform and they did nothing about it. They didn't care. Did they support it? At some point, you have to ask that question. In fact, they were sued over it and still seemingly didn't change their policies under old leadership. So Elon, with a skeleton crew, has decided that he's going to uh, tackle it. And I applaud him for that. And since this video will absolutely get buried, I ask you know, that you consider sharing it uh, out there and uh, maybe check out some uh, coffee brand coffee for the holidays. Now, Musk and skeleton crew take on problem ousted Twitter employees ignored uh, exploitation. If you were to run a social media company, what would take priority? 
silencing your political opponents or ridding it of CP. If you're the new owner of Twitter, if you're the new owner of Twitter, Elon Musk, it's addressing truly evil things like this. If you're a leftist, it appears it's making sure conservatives don't have a voice, is via the Daily Wire. Roughly two-thirds of Twitter's former 7,500-person workforce have either been fired or voluntarily departed since Musk took over the company. With the exodus has come a bevy of leftist complaints that the world's richest man is going to turn the site into the Wild West, a passion for hate, or the whole thing might just fall down altogether. What those individuals haven't explained is why it took new ownership to make sure one of the company's top focuses is ending um, this type of behavior uh, on the site. Again, the worst type of videos and pictures and stuff like that. Okay, On Monday, the Daily Wire reported that Elon Musk, who had made sweeping changes within the new company, responded to a report shared by a Twitter user, Eva Fox U, which featured um, a trafficking survivor who had talked about the company, quote, has begun addressing the issue of posting these type of images or content on Twitter after years of the platform's inactivity on the subject, subject under past management. The tech guru responded that ending the filth on the site was priority number one. That's Elon Musk. In reaction to Musk's claim, anti-trafficking advocate Eliza Blau, I'm probably mispronouncing that. I talk to her all the time, but I've never heard her name spoken. Eliza Blue? Probably Blue? Uh, said, quote, after years of advocating for minor survivors of Twitter, I've never been as hopeful as I am right now. Uh, Eliza, who has oft shared her frustration with social media in general on the matter, added that the swiftness of Musk's deliberations was welcome news. I don't expect a perfection, perfection from the platform, she explained in an interview with Tesla Roddy, a news outlet that reports on all things Musk. All I've ever wanted to see is a sense of urgency around such a serious matter. In many of these cases, this is a matter of life or death uh, for each person, so every second matters. Eliza has also direct, directly hit back at former Twitter employees for letting the problem rage. Quote, The fact of the matter is that Twitter knew about these type of pictures for more than 10 years, she claimed. She was, they were sued by two minor survivors, ignored countless victims globally. You failed children, not me, you. This is, of course... Uh, linking a screenshot of the Guardian article, Twitter is failing to police uh, these images effectively, efficiently. She also pointed out the obscenity was so ubiquitous, dozens of big name brands left the web website. You worked at Twitter in September when 30 plus brands left advertising on Twitter because of this type of material, she tweeted. Not me, you. You folks reviewed this material and refused to remove it. The minor survivor begged on the brink of self-termination. Over 167,000 views, 2,000 re retweets. You did that, not me, you. Spicy, right? Yet, if you were to ask other Twitter employees, they might say that the site is much more dangerous now because Musk is there and because of free speech. For example, NPR reported that amongst the staffers who left were ones who develop automated systems to analyze the 37.5 million tweets posted every hour. And most crucially, a large group of content moderators who consistently review posts. For example, one former senior data scientist who worked as a contractor for Twitter told Fortune, quote, Elon Musk's decision to let Trump back on the platform is incredibly upsetting. We all worked very hard to keep the platform 
safe for people to use. This isn't to say that this is individual. This is the individual responsible for the the images. Problem yet, it does raise questions as to who's paying attention to it with the gravitas that it needed. Based on media reports, the company was slow to respond when faced with the complaints. A miner sued Twitter, uh, saying that the company refused to remove uh, a video of him when he was 13, originally posted in 2019. Insider reported. The miner reported the video, but it took nine days for the company to remove it from the platform. And this is only after Homeland Security had to intervene. So to recap, when Twitter was bloated with thousands of employees doing such things as attending yoga sessions, working during a workday, the company had to be pressured to remove mortifying content that harmed young ones by Homeland Security. Under Musk and his alleged skeleton crew, not only does it appear that the site is working perfectly fine and free speech is better than ever on the platform, but the benevolent chief twit has made it his number one goal to rid the site of these images. And Eliza here was talking about it. We were talking in DMs about how, um, you know, she said that he had removed certain hashtags. And she shared this article, which I, should, I recommend you should change too, or you should share too, because it's well-written. While blue checks whine about um, bad words, Elon Musk is protecting uh, uh, kids. And this is an opinion piece, obviously. I've spent, and I won't read the whole thing because you should read it. Um, you know, if you spend any time on Twitter recently, you've noticed the outrage pouring from the most prominent voices on the platform against this new owner, Elon, from firing on half, from firing half of his workers to allowing people to buy blue check marks to deciding to allow Trump back on. Musk has been excoriated as platforming extreme opinions and not being remotely serious about safeguarding the platform. Hey, blah, 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 blah. Yet as it's a lot of voice, yet as a loudest voice on Twitter takes up all the oxygen with minor complaints and one upsmanship of victimhood, Twitter under Musk's leadership has been quietly making small changes that will have huge positive global impact on the most vulnerable people with no voice and no way to advocate for themselves. To give you a sense of the scale of the problem on Twitter alone, there were 86,000 reports of this type of behavior in 2021. Though I believe the true number is much higher. For me, this is personal. My name is Eliza and I'm a survivor. I have made the issue of this uh, and the material on Twitter a specific area of focus for the past few years. Ever since I heard the story of John Doe 1 and John Doe 1 is suing Twitter along with the second plaintiff, John Doe 2, for knowingly allowing their pictures and images as minors on the platform. Both of them were solicited and recruited for uh, trafficking purposes. Twitter refused to remove this material and instead continued to promote and profit from it. It's actually nuts. And he and she actually got to meet with Jack Dorsey. You know, she got a meeting with Jack Dorsey. It was a waste of time. There was petitions. But when Musk started to express interest in the platform, my first thought was how this could help John Doe One and other people like him. A few weeks after Elon became the CEO, the easy reporting system I recommended was quietly implemented. Shortly after, I noticed a large amounts of this type of material being removed from popular hashtags used to sell and exchange these type of images. In a subsequent tweet, Musk named it priority number one. I'm extremely happy to see the changes. My only request moving forward is that Twitter continues to tackle this type of thing at scale uh, while preserving digital privacy rights of the innocent. I'm hopeful that Musk and his newly com committed team at Twitter will do everything they can to find and respect the rights of those who cannot protect themselves. 
here you have and more more time comes in new closer truth we'll get closer to truth twitter will earn the trust of people here she is eliza by the way a strong follow recommend uh leans in taps mike sure it would be nice if the public found out the truth about what was actually going on on twitter the past 10 years as it pertains to their failure around the issue of removing uh those kind of images at scale elon replies i would like to know too and that was just two hours ago so um Maybe there's a reason some people are very, very concerned. I, I, you know, it's, I don't want to, you know, draw conclusions there, but I don't know. You know, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting, I'm sure, to see why that was actively ignored by 7,500 salaried people. Were they saying it was a map thing? Were they saying it was, you know, I, I don't even know. But like, here's a report that they ignored it. This is back from 2022, early 2022. Sorry. What do I mean early? It's like three months ago. Twitter ignores the publishing of these types of images on the platform study shows. I wonder why new ownership was required to bother taking care of that. I wonder if anybody is going to be implicated in any of this. Sure would be interesting. And next up today, Quentin Tarantino blasts boring Marvel movies and woke Shang-Chi star has a meltdown. Quentin Tarantino is not the first to kind of point out the fact that a lot of these Marvel actors, they aren't really the Hollywood movie star. They are famous because they play somebody else. So nobody really cares about Chris Evans. They care about Captain America. Nobody really cares about Mark Ruffalo. They care about the Hulk. And this is a unique kind of uh, uh, reality that exists for Marvel. And it's been called out several times, including Marvel actors uh, like Anthony Mackie, basically the exact same, using the exact same words as Quentin Tarantino. But Z-list actor Simu Liu, or Liu uh, who you might remember from uh, Shang-Chi, which, you know, whatever, was a middle-of-the-road movie uh, that didn't make a lot of money, but uh, he's very proud of it. And if you liked it, that's okay. I don't think that there's anything like inherently offensive about that film. Um, but Simo likes to stir the pot online, something I can relate to. Quentin Tarantino in hot water for saying Marvel actors are not movie stars, but they aren't. I mean, they simply are not. There, are, We talked about this last night. Uh, I was on Tuesday night's main event, and we talked about like how many actors really exist out there that are like, you know, there was a time if you're old like me that you remember like, Oh, I'm going to go see the new Seagal movie. I'm going to see the new Chuck Norris movie. You didn't really know what it was about, but you knew you wanted to see it. I'm going to go see the new Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, I'm going to go see the new uh, Leonardo DiCaprio movie for the most part, unless it looks like a, like a weird romance film. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis, for example. There are big draws. Keanu Reeves. There are um, people that will still sell tickets because of their name. If you noticed in that long list of people that I named... Um, most of them, actually all of them really have never really been in this warring on their fans bandwagon. Coincidentally, they're also also basically all men too, which is, uh, interesting of note. I suppose there are female actresses that still draw big, uh, the older crowd, maybe Bette Midler or something like that. But, um, the director made the remarks while talking with Tom Segura on his podcast, Two Bears, One Cave. I don't love them, Tarantino said, of Marvel films. No, I don't. I don't hate them. I don't love them. I mean, look, I used to collect Marvel comics like crazy when I was a kid. 
There's an aspect to these movies where coming out when I was in my 20s, I'd be totally effing happy and totally love them. But they wouldn't be the only movies being made. They would be those movies amongst other movies. I'm almost 60, so I'm not quite as excited about them, he continued. By the way, a totally fair take. Tarantino repeated a common criticism of the films, that they are overhyped and repetitive, plus leave less room for creative projects. Or, yeah, projects. My only axe to grind is that they're like the only thing getting made, the 59-year-old director said. And they're the only things that seem to generate any kind of excitement, excitement among fan bases or even for the studio making them. So it's just the fact that they are the entire representation of this era of movies right now. There's not really much room for anything else. That's my problem. It's a problem of representation. By the way, 100% agree in this use of the word representation. Next, he took a dig at Marvel actors, saying that they weren't actually who people were coming to see. Tarantino claimed moviegoers only cared about superheroes on screen, no matter who was playing them. Part of the marvelization of Hollywood is that you have all these actors who have become famous playing these characters, he asserted, but they're not movie stars, right? Captain America is the star. Thor is the star. I'm not the first person to say that. I think it's been said a zillion times, but these are franchise, these franchise characters that become a star. Finally, the Reservoir Dogs director pined for movie star roles of the past. Back in 2005, if an actor stars in a movie and he does good, the Marvel movie does as, as, as does good as Marvel movies do, that guy's an absolute star, he explained. It means people dig him or they like and want to see him and stuff. Sandra Bullock, for example, in Speed, everyone thought she was amazing in it. Everyone fell in love with her. They were excited by Sandra Bullock and they wanted to see her in something else. That's not the case now. We want to see that guy playing Wolverine or whatever. I mean, right? Tarantino's did not amuse several followers. Deadpool creator Robert Liefeld retweeted a story about Tarantino's comments, calling it the hottest of takes. In a later tweet, he shared, as a writer and director, it's my passion as well as my job to create compelling characters and worlds that draw the audience in and connect them. Same thing that drives Stephen King, what, Trump? George R. R. Martin and so many others. I'm in the character's business. I'm in the character business. Marvel actor Simu Liu, who starred in Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, also made his opinion known on Twitter. He claimed that signing onto a Marvel project was his only chance to make it in Hollywood. What? He was on, wasn't he on uh, convenient, some convenience store or something like that? That was pretty popular, some TV show? I don't know. Writing, if the only gatekeepers to movie stardom came from Tarantino and Scorsese, I would never have had an opportunity to lead a $400 million plus movie. By the way, big whoop. $400 million plus when your budget's $250 million and you probably lost money isn't anything to write home about. And also, what an absurd thing to do. You're basically calling Quentin Tarantino, a guy that, by the way, cast uh, Lucy Liu, for example, um, who, whose cast is always diverse. Um, you're calling him some sort of racist or something like that? You're saying, oh, well, if, if Tarantino was the only guy around, I wouldn't have gotten a chance. Well, what are you implying there? Are you implying that he wouldn't cast you because you're Asian or something like that. It's ridiculous. I'm in awe of their filmmaking genius. They are transcendent our orators, he wrote, of Tarantino. But they don't get to point their nose at me or anyone. No movie studio is or ever will be perfect. But I'm proud of the work with one that has made sustained efforts to improve diversity on screen. Again, what is the implication here? That Tarantino's films aren't diverse? Like, have you seen a Tarantino film? You say you have. And also, like, um, I bet you 
I would be willing to bet you when Simu gets noticed on the street, what do you think they call him? Do you think that they're saying, oh my God, it's Simu Liu, Liu or whatever? No, they're saying, oh, it's Shang-Chi. It's Shang-Chi. I guarantee it. Nobody knows who that guy is. He's just the guy that played Shang-Chi. And like the idea, like the idea is I get the, the, like, uh, I get the, I don't know, the implication or the, uh, not the implication, but the want to defend yourself. And he's a hundred percent right to do that. And I get what he's saying. Like, Hey, what the heck? You know, I thought I was pretty proud of this movie and I've got these people saying, um, you know, this sucks. And look, he's done some really good stuff. Look at this. Definitely what he donated a hundred thousand dollars to, um, feeding the hungry that this guy, even though like, you know, he's your kind of prototypical leftist and blah, blah, blah. He genuinely seems like he does good. And so he seems like a good person and we may disagree politically, but you know, it, it's also, he had, it looks like he deleted that post. Yeah, he did delete it. He had a post about something about, um, oh here, bracing for all the internet trolls. Like, Here's Justin Wang. People aren't trolls just because they disagree with you. Surely someone who used Reddit as much as you used to know that uh, you used to knows the difference. You know, like that's, I mean, a lot of people are saying like, it's almost like, oh, I'm going to stir the pot and then I'm going to whine and complain when I get backlash. Again, here's Anthony Mackie saying the exact same thing business has gone to like there are no movie stars anymore mm. like anthony mackie isn't a movie star the falcon is a movie star and that's what's weird it used to be with tom cruise and will smith and stallone and schwarzenegger when you went to the movies you went to go see the stallone movie you went to go see the schwarzenegger movie now you go see x-men so the 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 evolution of the superhero has meant the death of the movie star Right? He's 100% right. Now, I would add the caveat that it only means the death of the movie star in a world where that's the only crap they keep pumping out. I mean, there's a lot of great programs uh, out there that exist. I thought Archive 81 was a great show, and I didn't know a single actor on that show. Um, uh, the, um, the Stranger, great movie based on a true life event happened in Australia. Absolutely thrilling edge of your seat movie couldn't name a single actor in it loved it but you got to go look for it because the only thing hollywood wants to dump out is the same old same old same old over and over again and that's exactly so quentin tarantino says it uh, a white man a black man says it women have said it it's all the truth now i get feeling a little slighted by that if you're simu but it doesn't change the, the fact that it's true and what you have to do is look at it this way Playing Shang-Chi will open doors for you that really no other role would, so be happy about that. And next up, sitting congressman threatens cartoon cat on Twitter over a meme. Memery, memes, images, things of that nature, uh, have been a very powerful political tool. In fact, it's one that continues to benefit one side of the political aisle over the other. I don't know if you've heard of this before, but the left cannot meme. And they've had like six years to figure it out. And I will admit they've gotten better. 
they've absolutely gotten better. But it's still leagues worse than well the rest of the world. And we had a outgoing sitting or sitting congressman absolutely losing it and essentially threatening to put their hands on an internet cat over a meme. I'm dead freaking serious. For this article from Tom Fitton over at President of Judicial Watch, uh, outgoing Congressman Adam King Kins Kingsinger loses it, threatens to raise hands against cat, well, cat turd. A cartoon cat. This is, he literally dropped the fight me IRL because I'm mad at a meme. In fact, a meme that didn't even directly target him. On Monday, popular Twitter user, uh, I'd, uh, Catcher2, posted this cartoon on everything going on in Ukraine. Quote, it's dumb and I'm laughing way too hard at this. Well, it's weird, but I don't know if I can show it to you. In fact, well, here's what I can do. I can, I can show it to you. I can show you like the edited version, okay? So here's an edited version of it. Um, it's somebody who's crying, uh, the eyes on top, and then, you know, going number one, create the Ukraine flag or whatever, okay? I don't know if it's supposed to make fun of the people on Twitter or whatever it is. The tweet triggered out outgoing. So by the way, this meme is not like directed at him at all. The tweet triggered outgoing Congressman Adam Kinzinger, who threatened to raise hands against an online cartoon cat. Literal evil. If I meet you in person, it would not end well for you. Sicko trolls who have never done anything in their life, pretend to be patriots and laugh at real warriors. I assume he must be talking about himself and the real warrioring he's doing is sending billions of U.S. taxpayer dollars overseas with zero insight and having it go into a black void, which gets invested in the crypto market, which then gives money back to politicians. Is that what he's talking about? You see uh, the Twitter user response sitting congressman threatens U.S. citizen over laughing at a meme that they found funny. I can't stop laughing at this infant. I mean, I, I don't really understand how this works, um, why you would get so angry about it. But I do think the response is pretty hilarious. Uh, obviously getting uh, <laughs> ratioed into oblivion. 11.3 thousand comments to only 13,000 likes and just a taste of, you know, the top meme of course is, uh, just his face placed on that body with 27,000 likes. But then the user writes, you're 311 and funny memes scare you. I think I'll be okay. Lauren Chen, you're publicly threatening an account called cat turd for thinking that a meme is funny. Reevaluate your life choices. Ron Coleman writes, Lauren, that reevaluation is long overdue. Jenna Ellis writes, how sad is it for the left when a cartoon cat account is far more influential and trustworthy than a sitting Congress member, parentheses, soon to be unemployed Congress member. Redheaded Libertarian, did you just threaten a, an animated cat? 
Jordan Satchel, uh, you know, with the classic, um, we're laughing, uh, the we're laughing meme, learn to meme, uh, you know, Kevin Dalton writes Adam Kinzinger versus Catchard is the Twitter throwdown we all deserve. I don't even like, I don't know much about this account. Uh, they're funny. They, uh, seem to be more right wing. Uh, but like, I don't, I don't even understand how a congressperson gets involved in this. Nick Searcy, I know your intention is to be scary, crybaby, but for some reason, I'm not scared. I wonder why. Hodge Twins coming in with dropping, laughing, crying emojis. Adam's a keyboard. Do you need a safe space? I mean, what would it do to, what would you do to an ordinary citizen for posting a picture, congressman? I, I mean, like, Jordan Hinkle, you're a congressman and you are now threatening online media personalities, but you're too much of a puss to even respond to my offer. Grow a pair, Adam Kingsinger. Oh, he offered, he threatened, uh, he got up a, a boxing match, terrifying sour patch lids in there. I mean, it sticks hex in the hand, F you, dumb B. Um, Adam, you were part of the chair force. Also, I highly doubt all 560 would do anything to someone who is wearing thick enough socks you little ankle biter. I mean, just everybody, everybody, everybody's absolutely destroying this guy. And like, I don't even understand, like, you know, I, I guess like good for him, you know, uh, he's gone anyway. I mean, he's a perfect example of like, not all Republicans, you know, like that's the thing, like, you, you have to be able to criticize your own, you criticize people on your team. And this goes for Republicans or Democrats. You know, I mean, I think that's just the reality of it. And this is how politics is done online these days. How Twitter memes and S posting took over UK politics. Remember back in October, the lettuce probably wasn't the strangest thing that happened this week. Ed Keeble tells Vice it reflects the state of politics as senior social video editor for Reach publications, including the Daily Star, it was Keeble who turned an offhand comment in The Economist about Liz Truss having the shelf life of lettuce into a cultural moment, complete with googly eyes, a blonde wig, and a seven-day, 24-hour live stream next to a picture of the UK's shortest-serving prime minister ever, who lasted just 45 days before resigning and handing it over to former chancellor. I mean, memes... Uh, is how or how these type of things, you know, how politics are done nowadays. This is something that Republicans uh, only kind of understand. There are some people that kind of understand meme culture, even though you got guys like Tom, uh, Ted Cruz who are like post boomer memes. You know, he, like he probably saves Facebook memes on his phone. You know, and he's like, hey, check this. He's like at the bar, and he's like, hey, check out this meme I saw on Facebook. Like, but it, it's absolutely ridiculous. All I can say is, um, you know, follow follow uh, Cat Turd too if you want to see uh, more hilarious uh, political meltdown. And next up today, Elon Musk just dropped a major clue: everyone will be unbanned on Twitter, even Ethan Klein. Something very interesting could be happening on Twitter tomorrow, as it appears on a collision course at the same time with the Apple uh, Market Store or Apple Play Store, whatever you call iTunes Store, and. Uh, uh, a couple of spicy tweets from Elon today seem to indicate that we may be having a mass unbanning in the next 21 hours. Last time he ran a poll like this, 
he followed through. He asked the world about unbanning Donald Trump. And then moments after the poll ended, he did so. And now he has asked yet another question that is leaning strongly towards freedom of speech, strongly towards unbanning some of the most controversial figures of, I would say, the last 10 years. And it's good. Be, it could be, I mean, I just saw a video of like Ye and Nick Fuentes walking in an airport. I, I mean, this nothing in 2022 is going to surprise me anymore. Should Twitter offer general amnesty? General amnesty. I look so dark here now. It's weird. Sun it's offsetting. Should offer general amnesty to suspended accounts provided they have not broken the law or engaged in egregious spam. Right now, with 1.56 million votes in, it is overwhelmingly in favor. Let me tell you how important or how soul-crushing this probably is for modern leftists who are you know, big supporters of uh, censorship and things of that nature. It's brutal. Uh, you're getting the voice of the people, generally, are speaking. And that Trump poll was razor thin. What did it end up? Like 51.8% against 48.2 or something like that? It was like razor thin margins. This particular uh, account is not, this particular poll is not even close. He doesn't need to let it run out for 24 hours. I suspect what this means is that he's going to uh, unban accounts tomorrow. Um, you know, you see a lot of the replies, you know, hundred percent. Yes. If someone doesn't like what someone says, there is a great new innovation called the block button. The world's richest man has taken possession of global media, social media platform used by the world's journalists, scientists, and governments, private citizens, um, to share all vital information. It's going as you might expect cope cope. Guess what? Your vote counts the same as mine. Just cause your blue check didn't cost you $8 a month. Uh, our, our, we can both vote the same amount on this poll. We both have the same opinion because we both use the app. In fact, I probably use it more and I probably drive more users to the app given uh, I have a few more followers than you. At 66,000, I don't know how many you have anymore, 150,000 or 115,000 or something like that. I don't know. But um, by the way, if you're not following me, please do. You see a lot of whiners like, how about all the suspended accounts? You know, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for this piece of evidence for tomorrow's hearing in court. Your lawyers from White Case tried to claim today that no harassment can be expected from block, blocked accounts and there uh, could be no ground for urgency for our injunction. Who are you? Who are you? Like, I don't even understand. Remember Carpe Donctum and the lawsuit? He won that lawsuit. He shouldn't even be off the platform. I, I just don't understand. Like, I absolutely love, like, here's what we're finding out in real time. This platform doesn't need elites. It doesn't need journalists. It doesn't need any of these losers that are voting no on this. Like, imagine voting no. I mean, you're talking about unsuspending accounts that probably have combined, I don't know, 100 million followers. I'm just talking about, like, the prominent people that were banned from Twitter. Now, I, again, look, if that, if this, then that means Ethan Klein gets unbanned. Good. I think if you're going to allow everyone a second chance, 
then you should. My, my comment was simple. It's like, look, clean slate it. I replied and said, at least offer everyone another try. I mean, the rules are clear. I think if they are brought back and break toss again, leading to bans, the general public will have a lot more trust in the bans not being politically motivated. You know, if, if he brings back Ethan on again and he impersonates him again, well then, cool. He brings um, uh, Milo back on and Milo does something insane. He gets banned again. I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know the rules. They're very easy not to break. They're even easier not to break right now. And the media is absolutely losing its mind. You see this article like, Hardcore from Fortune Magazine. Hardcore won't save you. Twitter workers who are committed to sticking with Elon have reportedly been laid off. Yeah, two of them. But they write a whole article about that. How about this one? These are all the celebrities departing after Musk's takeover. Let's see. It's a who's who list of who cares. Jack White. When's the last White Stripes record that he put out that was any good? When's the last? I mean, Jack White is a, you know, a talented musician, but not very noteworthy. Trent Reznor, okay. When is the last Nine Inch Nails record did that come out? And, you know, Nine Inch Nails is a huge band. I thought it was pretty funny that a guy that's probably worth $50 million is whining about the billionaire class when he's in a financial class that certainly could never relate to anybody who goes to his shows. Whoopi Goldberg, oh no. What I'm saying, where I'm at, like, you have Gigi Hadid. I don't even know who that is. Okay, so I, I, Shonda Rhimes, Tony Braxton, she's an R&B singer, I think, right? Like, so? If you unban, like, the top followed accounts, you know, of, of both sides, you're going to bring back way more people than these people ever took with them. When a celebrity leaves a platform, nobody gives a crap. Nobody's following them. Nobody's leaving Twitter because Trent Reznor left. Okay? Nobody's leaving Twitter because um, uh, 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 any of these other, Whoopi Goldberg left. No one's uninstalling the Twitter app because they're gone. Now, content creators, their fans are loyal. Even if I got banned unceremoniously from Twitter, I wouldn't expect my, my viewers to leave Twitter. What would be the point? You know, I'd hope that you follow me on other platforms, but the expectation... Yeah, I know 90% of people wouldn't leave. So like, you know, and you have like this former Twitter employee speaks out. This isn't even parody, like. An email. She says other former full-time employees have told her they had to sign an NDA to get their severance benefits. But that's normal. Because she was a contract worker, that doesn't apply to her. So she's speaking out. I'm not given a severance package. I can't. They can't take that away from me. And I think people need to know about this situation. The layoffs followed by an employee exodus came just days before Elon Musk reinstated former President Donald Trump's account. This coming from NBC, the platform that put their foot down and left Twitter until they could con confirm that it would be safe and then promptly came back about 12 hours later. You know, Elon is really kicking the wasp nest right now. If you're following his Twitter, it's it's actually like <laughs> he's he's pointing out some truths that are a little bit you know a little spicier, you know he's he's talking he's calling people out, um, corruption. He's using the platform to call out people like, you know, here he just calls out Business Insider. It's not a real publication. Uh, you know he's calling out um, SBF every possible maybe with a little editorial help from SBF's employees. He's he's kicking all of the uh, wasps. Here you go. Stephen King, pretty soon the only advertiser left on Twitter will be MyPillow. Headline, 
Stephen King tweets on Twitter about how much he hates Twitter, simultaneously advertising for Twitter. Elon Musk, this is awesome. Like, what do you... He, there's this idea that all these advertisers are leaving with zero evidence. There's zero evidence of that. And you could even have people... You could have me, who runs marketing accounts and has done marketing for the... Who's been through the apocalypse. Or you could also have, like, Hank Green, who came out not that long ago and basically said, yeah, nobody's leaving. It's like, I've talked to a lot of advertisers quietly. And nobody's leaving. It's because, of course, they're not. Why would you? If there's customers here that... You could sell your product to. Oh, he even replied to Tim Pool. I bet Elon is sitting in a room full of investors like, okay, okay, what should I tweet now? And the Saudi prince is like, OMG, Elon tweet about how dumb the American corporate press is. And Elon's like, lol, okay. Then Twitter's value increases. I mean, it's probably true. Meanwhile, he's fixing a lot of things at Twitter and he's interacting with uh, Andy No and like all the people that they, that they just don't want him to. Uh, and it's been really interesting to watch. He's headed towards a bit of a collision course with Apple. He wants to renegotiate the 30%, 30 cents of every dollar that Apple keeps. I think he's probably got bigger fish to fry than that, but it's going to be important to watch. When the, the head of the Apple store quits Twitter, and then in my opinion, probably artificially places Hive as the number one social app on the Google App Store, there's probably something brewing. And last up, Avatar 2 is doomed to flop. Insane budget revealed. Avatar The Way of Water box office insanity. I think that looking at Hollywood and how they've had just these ever-expanding budgets after basically uh, the United States population, well, the global population was willing to consume just about anything they had. It's been an interesting uh, case study as more and more films, big budget films, Marvel, Disney, and otherwise, break even, make only a small amount of money, or in some cases, lose money. Like, did you ever think that you would see the day where a Pixar movie lost money, like Lightyear did? Or movies like Thor, only making a few bucks, essentially. Uh, you never really would have thought that. But now, James Cameron's newest Avatar movie, Avatar The Way of the Water, needs to become the third highest grossing film in history, just to break even. Just to break even. Now to add some context, okay, the original Avatar came out in 2009. Never even saw the movie, nothing I nothing did. It didn't look exciting at all to me. I don't know, I feel like maybe I missed out. I, I don't know, it didn't really seem like, you know, I didn't really care about it. But in 2009 dollars, which are significantly more than you know, $2,022 were, I mean, dude, you know, judging for inflation and in the original dollars is $2.9 billion. The original avatar made it's the highest grossing film of all time. Followed by Avengers Endgame with $2.79 billion. Titanic with 2.2 billion. Star Wars episode seven, the force awakens with 2 billion. Dropping down Infinity War at $2 billion, then Spider-Man No Way Home 2021 at just under $2 billion, And they just re-released it probably to get it, I'm guessing, to try and push it into the top five spot. I don't know. Spider-Man No Way Home could legitimately catch uh, Infinity War with this re-release. I don't know. But he had Jurassic Park, The Lion King, Avengers Furious 7. Also hilarious that 
That movie made so much money. Top Gun Maverick rocketing up the charts at $1.486 billion. So <clears throat> you have a lot. Frozen 2 actually up there. That's nuts. So in order to just break even, it's going to have to make $2 billion minimum. The Terminator and Terminator 2 Judgment Day director provided his insight into the return trip to Pandora's necessary financial milestones during a recent profile interview given to GQ. Asked by the outlet's senior staff writer, Zach Barron, it could, if you could give any details on just how much money was spent on the nine-year journey to bring the way of water to realization, Cameron simply asserted that the film was very effing expensive. I don't think it's going to do it. I think it's going to be, I think they're going to, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way Avatar. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if the budget is $2 billion, a billion dollars and they spend another billion on advertising, I suppose. Recalling how he had admitted to the Disney higher-ups that the film was, quote, the worst business case in movie history, the director then proceeded to inform Barron that The Way of the Water would have to be the third or fourth highest-grossing film in history just to turn a profit. That's your threshold, he added. That's your break-even. So, again, it has to make $2 billion just to break even. $2 billion. $2 billion just to break even. There's no way. I don't I just don't see it. There's no way. I, I mean this could this film could absolutely massively flop. Especially in a world right now where they don't have the Chinese market guaranteed. You know, will they will they will this show in China or not? Because without that, I mean China's probably in the original release probably did two hundred to four hundred billion or million alone. Yet, despite the daunting goal, Cameron found himself unwilling to compromise on his artistic visions no matter what. I used to be really defensive about that exact, uh, the fact that films like Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Titanic were some of the most expensive to produce because it was always the first thing anyone would mention. He explained that, and I'm like, yeah, if I can make a business case to spend a billion dollars on a movie, I will effing do it. Do you know what, uh, do you want to know why, Cameron? Then asked Baron. Because we don't put it all on a pile and light it on fire. We give it to people. The studio agrees that's a good investment as opposed to buying an oil lease off the north of Scotland, which somebody would think is a good investment. Why not do it, he argued. According to Box Office Mojo, as of this writing, Avatar The Way of the Water needs to secure at least $2.7 billion at the worldwide box office to uh, and in process, derank Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, in order to break even, two point seven billion. So this must be U.S. box offices only on this list, because two point seven billion here would be. This says worldwide, so I don't know. That's a that's an interesting. That would put it as a number, basically a number two of all time, unless these haven't been updated, or maybe that they're adjusting for inflation in their number. It's tough to say. And while this feat may seem daunting, the way of the water may have a fair chance of pulling it off thanks to the announcement. Oh, here we go. That China will, in fact, be, uh, in, be allowing the, uh, them to once again cross their borders. After all, it was thanks in large part uh, audiences within the Red Dragon and the first Avatar was able to take home a record-setting $2.9 worldwide box office pull. Avatar The Way to Water is currently set to release in theaters on December 16th. As confirmed by Baron by Cameron, 
a third entry to the franchise has already been filmed and a fourth is currently filming. I just don't know. I, I mean, I don't understand. Am I, am I, am I, what am I missing about Avatar? Is it that good? I'm willing to be wrong about it. I just rem like, I remember when it came out, right? And basically everyone had seen it. Everyone was seeing it. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, it looks like a cartoon. I'm not interested in seeing that. What was it that made it such a huge global success? I mean, you see, it's insane to me. Billions, $3 billion. I mean, I guess like maybe, you know, I think at this point I'm going to have to actually check this movie out because, you know, I'll have to watch the original. Maybe it won't hit the same because I'm going into it being like, man, that made $3 billion, but man, $3 billion in today's marketplace. I just don't, I don't know. I mean, are you interested in seeing Avatar? Who's the Avatar fan? It's been 13 years. Do you think there's anything like, what, did it end in a cliffhanger? Are there are that many people hanging around, like wondering, you know, what's going on in this, in this fake world? Like, what, let's say they released a new Lord of the Rings movie right now. Would that make $3 billion? I don't think so. Now, if it really is as visually stunning as everybody, you know, says, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people talk about it ripping off Pocahontas or whatever, but he says he had the idea for it in a dream. Um, I don't know if he was on some of the, some fancy teas or something like that. Not anything that coffee brand coffee sells, but um, wow, this is shocking. This is a premium Hollywood bloat right here. And I think I strongly uh, suspect that this is going to completely backfire, but hey, you tell me if I'm wrong in the comment section down below. I'm absolutely baffled by this. Hope you enjoyed this video. We'll talk to you again real soon.